0: This is an AMI podcast. Hello, cherished listeners, and welcome to Low Vision Moments, the podcast all about those sometimes frustrating, potentially embarrassing, but often pretty comical things that happen when you are just trying to go about your day with a visual impairment, blindness, or albinism. I'm Jenny, I'm the host of this thing, and I did take a little break from the podcast last month to, well, try and get my shit together. So it's together! Try would certainly be the operative word there. I have missed you, though. I have missed you so, so much. Did you miss me? Shh, shh, shh. it's okay, you don't have to say a thing. I am just delighted to be back inside of your ears. My guests and I have certainly shared a plenty of embarrassing low-vision moments on the show to date, but believe, you have got to believe, when I say that we have saved the absolute cream of the embarrassing crop for this episode here today. Our theme this time is what I said when I ran straight into a knee-deep puddle in front of a bunch of neighbors last spring. Well, that was embarrassing. My guest this episode is a fellow person with albinism, always nice to chat with a fellow PWA, as I like to call it. He's also technically a colleague of mine at CNIB, though we've not really crossed paths many times at work other than maybe transferring a call over to him. He's in the social enterprise division as the national portfolio manager for accessibility solutions. Very important role. Something else we seem to have in common, this guest and I, is that he actively puts his skills to work in the blind and partially sighted community by volunteering with several organizations with the aim of making a positive impact. And I know that I have only just scratched the surface with that introduction. So Mr. Stephen Ricci, thank you so much for joining us today. And what else would you like the listeners to know about you?
1: Well, um, like you mentioned, I do have albinism and, uh, as as usual, born with albinism. Unique, though, uh, I have two sisters that were also born with albinism. So my parents were fortunate enough to have, as they say, three blind mice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's sort of uh, unique. And until I got into this industry, which was in 2004 when I started selling uh assistive technology and accessibility across Canada for Frontier Computing, I really had never met anyone with vision loss or I never really lost anything. So I sometimes I'm curious about that term. But.
0: I don't like that terminology either. Let's just say <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people that are partially sighted or blind other than my sisters. And so, you know, it's it's been a, a whole new world in this, this job and, and and what I've been Privilege to do helping Canadians uh, figure out what's the best solution to help them through their day is, is really uh, inspired me and, and really you know done a lot to make me uh, really think differently about everything. So uh, I love I love the work. Uh, I live in Toronto, born and raised. I've got a lovely wife that I pretty much went to school with from kindergarten to grade thirteen, and we've been married for thirty two plus years, and we've got three adult kids that just moved out for the second time. So September 1st, we became empty nesters for the second time in our lives, and maybe this time it might stick, but well, that's, that's, that's about me. I love rituals. I, I love my family and friends and helping people, and uh, I don't suffer fools very easily, and uh, yeah, that's me.
0: I love that. I work hard. I play hard. I love to have fun as well. What, what else do you do for fun, Stephen?
1: Well, I as my bio says I like to vacuum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I caught that in your description of yourself.
1: <laughs> you know what? I love to read. I love I love uh sports. Um I, I listen to an awful lot of books and I, I've just become a, a, a podcaster just because I subscribed to your podcast last year and, and I'm I'm a big fan. Uh between you and Malcolm Gladwell, that's about all I've really sort of gotten into
0: oh shucks i feel so privileged yeah, so
1: you, you think it's really cool I don't. I don't really know what else to say about myself. Sorry.
0: That's always the toughest part. Every guest is, uh, you know, trying to to figure out what it is, what it, what it, what do I say about myself? And they don't want to talk themselves up too much, I guess. But that's all good. I am really glad to finally get to know you a little bit, and I think that you're really a brave soul, Stephen, for participating in this particular episode, because again, our theme is well, that was embarrassing. Well, that was embarrassing. So we're about to have uh, a little bit of fun. And I'm going to get things started with something that, let's say I'm a repeat offender. I do this a lot and I, I continue to do it. I've done it my whole life and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to stop. With the low vision, with the albinism, the nystagmus, the photophobia, recognizing people out in public is a hell of a challenge most of the time. It often happens to me when I'm meeting someone out at a public place. And if I know the spot well, I can give like real specific instructions like meet me next to the green garbage can, you know, to the left of the entrance. But I don't always know the spot that we're meeting very well. And if I say, meet me at the entrance, for example, that could be interpreted any number of ways by the person I'm meeting. So I often end up wandering around squinting and staring at people and actual inanimate objects that I think might be people. And I don't know if you do this, but with me with my nystagmus, I I, I squint, but I also like tilt my head to stabilize my eyes a bit to stop them from shaking involuntarily uh, a little bit. And so Imagine me walking around looking for someone, I'm squinting, I've got my head cocked to the side, and I'm staring people down or staring down inanimate objects. But what often happens is I'll approach the person that I'm staring at thinking that, "Mm, that looks like a familiar haircut. That looks like a familiar jacket. I think that's the person I'm supposed to meet. But I get close enough and realize, "Uh uh-oh, that's not the person I'm meeting. And I've been staring at them with my head cocked to the side and my eyes squinted. They usually think that I'm Rude, and they're staring back at me. (laughs) So I usually speed off. Or on the flip side, they think I'm into them. They think I'm checking them out. So different people interpret it differently, but it seems like something I'm just going to have to deal with. It just keeps happening in my life. Does that happen to you?
1: Oh, yeah. All the time. You know, I can walk past my own children on the street because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I, I probably have. In fact, my daughter, I think I quickly mentioned that my daughter, sometimes when she was younger, used to play tricks on me and she would see me from a big distance and she would hide behind bushes and jump out.
0: (laughs) Those sighted kids will get you every time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if there's a fear factor, if there's anything that sort of gives me a bit of a challenge, it's exactly what you just talked about.
0: Yeah. I just don't want people to think I'm a jerk, you know, and we've talked about that on this podcast many times before, like I'm not being a jerk. I'm not, inebriated or that inebriated um, you know it's it's being misunderstood but you you've mentioned uh, when we were getting ready for the show that you've had the pleasure of going to a bunch of NOAA conferences with your family members who also have albinism so NOAA is the uh, National Organization for Albinism and hypopigmentation right and you've been able to go to those conferences and yeah. when you go to those, yeah, it's, How do you recognize anybody? Because everyone is walking around looking well, that, the same with albinism.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's the big joke because, you know, there can be a thousand of us at these conferences. And it, it's a conference that happens on the even years. You know, in 2020, obviously, we, we did it remotely because uh, nobody really could travel to California. And this conference uh, moves from East to central to West in the U S every two years. Uh, and yes, I've gone to many of these conferences and what an experience, especially for the kids, the kiddos just have a ball, even old guys like me have fun. And, and yeah, my story really comes down to, um, my sisters and I joke about, uh, and I think it was just maybe our first year. I think my sister said to me, you know, I went up to three guys today. Hey Steve, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oops, sorry, wrong guy. Now at least, at least at a NOAA conference, we get it.
0: Of course.
1: So you, you know, if you walk up to some, you know, some, some white haired guy that looks like your brother and say, Hey Steve, like they, they know what's going on. That was sort of our little joke every year because we were you know, flying into whatever city it was, it was like, okay, so how many people are we going to mistake for each other? <laughs>
0: it's such a, it's such a reverse, right? It's such a flip because usually uh, I'm easy. I'm really easy to pick out in public for other people, right?
1: Yeah. I live in Toronto. So the CNE, the, the Canadian National Exhibition is is in Toronto every August. I don't know about the last couple of years, but the big joke amongst all my friends was let's go down to the CNE with Stevie and, and we're gonna see how many people come and say, Hey Steve, because people can spot me out of a right. you know, out of a big crowd. And I think the record was like something like thirteen people at one day at the CNE that, that that came up and said, Hey Steve, it was sort of another little thing, but yes, exactly that sort of same thing.
0: That's unreal. Thirteen?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was a record though. Um, and uh, the other quick, quick Noah conference story I really want to share. And I know we got to move on to the next story, but you know, there's a lot of us there. You know, you got the bright hair. Most of us are wearing glasses. Not too many folks have guide dogs or canes, but you still certainly see enough of them. But you know, the they have sort of lots of good stuff for lots of different sort of segments. The young kiddos are doing the daycare thing and then the, the teens and tweens are doing their thing. And then there's the grandparents and they have all these breakout sessions and uh, an exhibit hall that I'm chair of and da, 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 da. So there's lots going on. And and, and some of the social events that happen um, usually on the Friday evening, there's a, there's a pub crawler. There's a, a big, so we, we, Pretty much took over this humongous bar. I think we we're in St. Louis or D.C. or somewhere. I can't remember. And I was with my buddy Scott, um, and we're at the bar. And you know, there's a pile of us in this place. And and just some random guy came up to Scotty and says, "So what the hell's going on here?" <laughs> like just like that. What, what, what gives, right? And <laughs> and Scott just without even blinking, he just turns and says. Family reunion.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a good answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was quick. That's for sure.
0: Oh man, I would love to get to a NOAA conference one of these days. And when you when you mentioned the pub crawl, you're really speaking my language there. So
1: July 2022, we are back in person in Orlando. If the world comes back to being acceptable like that.
0: Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, I would yeah. love to move around in public with a big group of persons with albinism just to, I don't know, just to get the reaction from from people. They 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 I would imagine they think there's something going on here and their imagination's probably running wild because people People think all kinds of crazy things when they see people with albinism. Uh, I digress. I am forever going into the wrong place, forever missing signage, and and that really leads me to my next story. Uh, it's really something that it used to it used to be a problem, but now I see it as an opportunity and something that I just kind of go with. And I, what I'm alluding to, Stephen, is going into the wrong washroom when there are gendered washrooms. Oh yeah, it used to, you know, used to be a problem. But now I, I just go with it, and it really mostly happens at big events, so or like busy, busy places.
1: Especially when the door is open or something.
0: Well, that's it, and it's when the signage isn't clear, or when there's a really long, or when there are lineups and lots of people everywhere. When things are busy is what I'm trying to get at. It's difficult to describe with with my vision and possibly with yours when things are busy. When there's a lot of visual stuff going on in the space, it makes it that much harder to focus on things. And when you gotta go, uh, you don't want to take the time and maybe seek out all the signage and take the time to read it and make sure that you're going in the right direction. So all that to say is that, you know, in airports, at concerts, at rib fests, I have many, many times gone into the quote, wrong washroom uh, for the, you know, identi- I identify, as a female. Um, but it's, I don't see it as a problem anymore. Uh, now I go in, and I realize it's the men's washroom and I get might get a couple looks over the shoulder from the urinals and I just look for the stall and I go and do my thing and I'm out of there. But you know, the women's washroom usually has a much longer lineup than the men's washroom. And again, I don't want to, if I'm already in there, I'm just going to go with it. I'm not going to waste my time. And you know, maybe this is me pushing the agenda for non-gendered washrooms. What is it like on the reverse for someone who identifies as a male accidentally going into a female washroom? I would imagine you don't just go with it.
1: No, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a quick retreat. And if I had a dollar for every time I accidentally went into the ladies' room, I I wouldn't be rich, but let's just say it's happened a few times, especially, like I said, when the door is ajar or like you said, there's lots going on and you don't pay attention. And when you got to go, you got to go. But, you know, as soon as I don't see those urinals, um, it's like, I'm, I'm beating a quick retreat and you know I, I have been encountered a couple times from ladies um, and especially if I don't have a cane if you've got a cane, that's pretty self-explanatory um, but if you if you don't rock the cane at that particular time, then you're just uh, an ingrate that's not welcome. So the difference might be that if a lady ever came into the men's restroom, I wouldn't give a crap. <laughs> Excuse the the, the, the the pun I guess, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother me right. But if if a if a man uh, arrives into a lady's room, I would think that that some ladies would be very uh, upset,
0: uncomfortable. Yeah, I have a quick follow up question for you, Stephen. Sure. So sure. It, you've I've been in both washrooms, and I have to be honest, I usually find the men's washroom. It might not smell as good as the ladies' washroom, but the men's washroom tends to be cleaner. Women are like messy
1: I was gonna say sort of the opposite but you know perhaps <laughs> perhaps when I've been in ladies rooms it's been like in banquet halls or you know nicer establishments because I've been in some pretty grungy men's rooms before like at Grossman's tavern and and a few oh, other grossman's
0: that takes me back I've been there yeah. I think you're probably right the women's Room is probably better. Maybe you just go to nicer places than I do. They don't have flowers in the women's washroom at Rib Fest. I'll I'll tell you that.
1: They're making some nice Johnny on the spots now. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, they're almost like little buildings now.
1: I went to a wedding and they were had lights and it was like it was nicer than some washrooms I've been in.
0: (laughs) I think we've spent enough time in the bathroom.
1: Yeah, let's get out of the bathroom.
0: But I think it was worth. I think it was worth talking about because I'm going to wager that there are people listening who are like, yep, I've done that. And, you know, you don't need to feel as embarrassed about it as, as you might feel because it happens. And it probably happens to people who are not visually impaired because they're just not paying attention and they got to go. Um, but anyway, let's get out of the washroom. But I'm going to continue talking about going into the wrong place. And this is another thing, uh, repeat offender. I think that's the the case with everything I'm going to talk about today. Repeat offender just keeps happening. Getting into the wrong vehicle is-
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Uh, Right, it is. It is a constant thing, and something that would help is if you know the people picking us up in the vehicle, if they would just freaking cooperate, it would make our lives a lot easier. So there has happened so many times, but two times that really stand out for me are: my sister at the time was living in Toronto, and I was visiting Toronto for work, so I was staying in a hotel. She phones me up and says, "Hey, let's let's go out to dinner." and I'll I'll come pick you up at the hotel. I'll text you when I get there. Great, perfect. I'm hanging out in front of the hotel, outside the lobby, and I get the text that she's there. I don't know what her vehicle really looks like, right? I don't live in the same city, don't have a good handle on the make or the color or even what to look for. So she's my sister. She should know that she needs to, like, get out of the vehicle and, like, wave wave her hand, shout my name, something, come get me, even, might be helpful. Because, as you know, in front of a hotel, there's always a bunch of cars lingering around there, right? So, oh, yeah. it's almost like, pick a car. It's like a game. And, I mean, that's what I had to do. I could hear someone honking a horn so i'm thinking okay that's probably her she's probably getting impatient i'm looking down the line of cars kind of walking slowly along the line of cars and i'm thinking okay i think this is the car that's honking the horn i'm just going to open the door and and see what happens poke my head in and sure enough it was not my sister not even close it was like an elderly man wearing a yellow golf shirt and a look of utter shock on his face So like you, with exiting the ladies' washroom, I made a very quick exit, closed the car door, and proceeded to swivel my head around and look around to see if I could see anything, any clues. And by that time, I had embarrassed my sister. She was more embarrassed than I was. She had finally gotten out of the vehicle and was yelling my name and waving her hands and approaching me. And I was like, you know, if you had just done that in the first place... (laughs) you could have avoided this whole thing. It's not the only time it happened either. But the second time, I kind of feel bad about this second time that stands out for me. A couple of my friends and I, a couple girlfriends and I, we were out celebrating one of their birthdays out for a nice drink and um, a nice meal. And they're both uh, more blind than I am. So I just need to preface by saying they're more blind than I am. And we had had a couple of adult beverages. And one of their partners was coming to pick us up at the restaurant when we were done. So we're standing out front of the restaurant. And uh, again, it's like a gamble, like, okay, which vehicle is the right vehicle. And this time, I knew the vehicle, like I knew what color, shape vehicle I was looking for, but that d- apparently didn't help because there were a couple similar cars out front, and I was real confident this time. You know, I'd had a couple drinks too, so that helped with the confidence. So I'm like, "Let's go, ladies. I found the car. Let's get in, get on our way." Whipped the car door open, slid myself right inside, and it actually took me. Several seconds to realize I was not in the right car, and that the driver was actually like just looking back, staring at me again in awe, in shock, no words. And I had to like usher my my two friends. I had to be like, no, 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 this sorry is not the right car. We're we gonna have to usher ourselves out of here now. And again, uh, my friend's partner had gotten out of the vehicle, like he probably should have in the beginning, to let us know where he was. Just take a note. If you're picking up a friend who has trouble seeing, try and make it clear where you are, what car you're in, even to like text them a picture of the car. (laughs) I think that that would have helped me out.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Probably once again, if I had a dollar for every car door that I've opened in error, I probably wouldn't be rich, but it's happened a few times. And I, you know, I I also (laughs) think back that, you know, in the, in the past, maybe 16, 17 years, I travel a lot. I was the the human suitcase, uh, you know, selling our wares across Canada, usually hitting up to 30 cities a a year, you know, throughout from coast to coast to coast. And getting picked up by an Uber is also a real tricky thing. And it's become better, but that was always a tricky thing. But I've got a a pretty funny story. I was at a big Christmas party at my friend John Voight's house uh, a number of years ago. Not John Voight, the actor, of course.
0: I was going to stop you. Okay.
1: This is just my buddy, John Voigt, and uh, who I have been best friends with since grade one. Um, His family was having a Christmas party. He's got four siblings and and his folks and a big house party. And I guess it was uh, time to leave. And uh, there was, I guess, a a fairly significant exodus from the house. And it was a great party. And I went down and uh, jumped in the back seat of the car that I thought I came in. (laughs) Well, uh, lo and behold, as soon as I closed the door and and saw the two elderly black folks in the front seat, (laughs) who I didn't know, I didn't know, um, and you know, I I think once they realized it wasn't a home invasion and that we were at the same party, and then I I found out that they were my, my buddy's parents' dentist. And his wife,
0: couple couple degrees of separation. Yeah, there
1: Yeah, there, there was there was a big laugh about it, and you know, and then I got into the correct car, but you know, it was embarrassing for a few moments, but uh, it, it all ended up okay. But it, <laughs> they're just they were shaking there at first. They just didn't know what was going on,
0: <laughs> right? It's the shock, and I kind of enjoy it.
1: <laughs> I I thought that was a pretty cool story that stuck with me for a number of years. But yeah, I I, I don't. Feel quite as, as comfortable when I'm shocking a stranger, right? <laughs> like you know, at the corner of Young and Blue, or something. yeah, a
0: complete stranger. It might be might be a little bit different, but hey, if nothing else, we're probably giving these people a laugh in their day. Oh, we're yeah, giving them yeah, a story yeah. to go back and tell their, you know, the the people close to them. Like, hey, you'll never guess what happened today. This crazy guy got in the back of my car. Yeah.
1: My sister was in Banff with a friend of hers, uh, ours. And, um, they had had a few drinky poos and, um, I guess some, they were dancing and something happened and they were trying to kick my sister out and it was something to do with her vision. And, and I guess they weren't comfortable with something or other. And I can't imagine it cause she was always more well-behaved than me. They were sort of having the big powwow about, you know, what's going to happen. Let's get her out of here or whatever. And her friend, Sandra, <laughs> Came over and and said, Don't you know that she's a member of the CIBC?
0: (laughs) That's my favorite.
1: That's
0: That's my favorite. You wouldn't believe at the contact center how many, like multiple times a day, we hear from callers at the CNIB contact center, "Uh, well, my doctor told me to call the CIBC, or I need my CIBC card renewed. It's just like, (sighs) did did you not hear yourself? Like, you live in Canada, right? You've heard of, anyway. And you have to just kind of gloss over it, but that's good.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Well, Stephen, I think we're about ready to bring this fun conversation to a close, but I wanted to see if, um, you know, we work together and you told me a fun story when we were getting ready for this about a bit of a, an office romance, uh, but, but not so much a, an office romance in the traditional sense. Do you, do you want to share that one?
1: Oh, sure. Why not? And it, and, it, and I have to just preface this by saying it's not me, even though it could be one of my hobbies. <laughs> um but uh, uh, according to urban legend uh once upon a time a blind employee that like we'll just say that will remain nameless and the organization will re- remain nameless uh CIBC um but uh, I don't know that this person worked at the bank but anyways uh just to protect the innocent etc anyway this particular employee's office had a, a side light window uh, beside the door you've seen them in in, in offices it's it's pretty right. pretty normal here and there and I guess you know he forgot or, or maybe he just never realized there was a window in his office a fairly significant window almost the size of the door beside it and uh, let's just say that uh, um, the ladies in the steno pool uh, you know were were not impressed when they they happened to walk by and and a little bit of shocking that that this particular employee. Well, let's just say he, uh, you know, he may have been uh, touching himself in an in an in an impure manner uh, in the workplace, uh, <laughs> and the rumor has it from revival sources that you know um, that he was beating his dick like it owed him money. Um, oh but uh, you know, just to sort of call it straight out there, because I I have yeah. heard listen to your podcast and I know that it is uh, you know PG uh anyways uh so you know he was reprimanded apparently and uh he apologized and promised it would never happen again but uh three months later i guess he forgot that window was there again
0: oh my god <laughs> <Twice>. <laughs> what a fucking legend could you imagine no i can't <laughs> That's that's way worse than getting kicked out of the concert. I, I got to mm. wow. Yeah,
1: so there's a, an embarrassing moment. I'm glad it wasn't me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. So that's uh, that's the uh, that's the situation there, and it's. Uh, I don't think that this uh, HR employee handbook will excuse the pun, you know. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. You know, oh,
0: it's one thing to like get caught sleeping at your desk or picking your nose these are things i could imagine myself maybe getting caught doing but holy yeah, shit that yeah. that is that is the icing on the cake i think i think that is a perfect way to end this conversation okay. uh I, and i love that it's not us <laughs> i think yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that much better so before we go steven oh my god thank you so much this has been a lot of fun um i've had a bit i'm gonna say i've had a bit of a rough week and this has been a highlight kind of set me on on the right path some some good genuine smiling going on here now any parting thoughts for you before we go
1: Uh, I think I want to thank you uh, for the opportunity. You know, it was fun. Uh, you know, there's so many stories like this. Just look at, you know, if we had enough time, we could bore everyone with all of our silly stories. When you, when you told me the theme of the show, the first thing that came to mind is, well, that's sort of not what I do, (laughs) but you know, it's definitely something that I've done many, many times over without even thinking about it. And I think I sent you my top 10 list. Mm-hmm. Of, of embarrassing moments. And I, I think I rattled that off as fast as I could write it. That's how quickly I could do it. And, and like I said, you know, just, uh, I get probably, I get a, a lot more from my wife, but, um, no, I think that we have to, we have to make sure that we, um, you know, we don't get as embarrassed as, as we could. Um, you know, we have to, 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 poke fun at ourselves. And that's the whole purpose of this. I, I, I love the fact that we're, we're having fun with this and, and talking about it and that it's okay. You know, we you know what, we can't help how we see. We can, we can make it better. We can, we can uh, find the, 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 the cues and the tactics and the, and all the different things that, that we in the low vision and blind community do to get through our day. But, you know, being embarrassed, isn't the way, you know, we have embarrassing situations, perhaps, but you got to turn it upside down and, and laugh at yourself. And, and uh, you know, like I, I always say, as my buddy Louie always says, how do you like me so far, asshole? <laughs> you, know?
0: you have articulated that so perfectly. Thank you so, so much. And I say this about a lot of episodes, but I think that we could revisit the topic because there are just so many stories to cover. I've got so many more in my back pocket as well. Well, so I'm going to keep you on the roster and, and probably call on you another time to come on back and revisit the story. Um, but I just can't thank you enough for um, coming and having a good time.
1: Thank you, James. It was a pleasure. You know, it, it also, like when we first started talking before we started recording, you know, it was like, oh, my goodness, we've, we've both had busy weeks, busy days. But you know what? I feel much better now.
0: Ooh, is my face red? Well... That was still a lot of fun. And it just goes to show that living life can take a lot of freaking courage. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you live with a visual impairment, a disability or not, because chances are, again, no matter who you are, something embarrassing is going to happen from time to time. How have you embarrassed yourself? Come on, I want to know. How long did it take before the incident became funny? Days, months, years, still not funny? Want to tell me more? Yeah, you do. Of course you do. And I would love to hear from you. Send an email to podcasts at ami.ca or leave a voicemail at 1-866-509-4545. Oh, one more time, that number is one 866 509 Forty-five. Make sure to mention low vision moments in the message, please and thanks. Find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm there under Blonde 4 that's U-B-E-R-B-L-O-N-D-E and the number 4. This podcast would straight up not exist without legendary technical producer Sam Robinson. A gigantic thank you also in order to the infamous manager at AMI-audio, Andy Frank. And thanks so much to you for listening. You're the best. And until next time, don't embarrass yourself.